0: This week on the Sportplex This week, friend of the show, Cody Ellis is back to talk all things NBL and NBA He sure is Perth's set to lose the fifth Ashes Test Aww. Yuri Toloch goes back up to his old tricks And the Perth Scorchers are queens of the WBBL for the first time
1: Another massive episode, Joey. let's go Welcome to you wherever you happen to be on this great big rock in the sky, whether you're one of our loyal listeners, someone who's found us randomly, or someone who's come to check us out after our crossover episode with the MBL Pocket Podcast with Joseph and Andrew. It was great fun, wasn't it, Stewie?
0: It was. Really, really great to talk hoops with guys who are as excited and as passionate about it as we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And have probably been watching for it. We've probably had, what, 120-odd years of combined watching <laughs> experience between us. Give or take, Yeah. yeah. I must kind of reflect on last week when we talked about the live performances. So obviously you and I have talked in episodes 56, 60 and 61, the best live performances we've seen. But we need to add one to the list, mate. We forgot about Maxi Gorn in the prelim.
0: He was pretty dominant. Oh, he he was
1: magnificent. He needs to be added to that list. Definitely, I think. And then the other thing that I didn't get a chance to mention, unfortunately, was Joseph's appearance on Throwback Hoops. A shout out to those guys. They love their jerseys, Stewie. As someone who I once dubbed the Imelda Marcos of jersey collection, I reckon you'd be the perfect guest for them, actually.
0: Well, I've just got my brand new Patrick Ewing yes, jersey. Yes, so yes, indeed. I'm very yeah. uh, excited to pick that one up yesterday.
1: Yes. Yeah, so if you're listening, boys, I've just volunteered, Stewie, for your show. Yeah, you've just <laughs> got to
0: now look up Imelda Marcos.
1: <laughs> As we know at the top, every week, though, Stewie, what caught your attention and what'd you miss?
0: Well, I'm going to keep these fairly quick this week because we've obviously got a really, really massive interview coming up. But because it is a heavy basketball show today, I thought I'd just keep it on the basketball. Sure. Track. So while I was taking a little bit of a break from work the other day, I was having a quick look on the NBA app at some of the top plays from the previous day. There was a really nice bounce pass I saw from Stephen Adams. And the caption underneath it was, bounce pass from down under with a little kangaroo emoji next oh, to it. Oh, No. New Zealand is not Australia. Zealand
1: no, it is not. Apologies to our Kiwi friends. That's terrible. Yeah,
0: well, exactly right.
1: We're big Stephen Adams fans. But, we uh, yeah, no. And we're also
0: big fans of New Zealand. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, we are not the same place. We are not the same people. No,
1: we are not. So yeah. get it
0: right, NBA. Yes,
1: it. They should know by now, especially the way Josh Giddey's playing. Mm. Crikey. Yeah, no good.
0: No good. How about yourself, mate?
1: Well, I've got a few things. I'll stick on that basketball theme. So I saw that the New South Wales Premier, Dom Perrette was named the number one ticket holder of the Kings. He is conservative, so I guess he's a monarchist. Um,
0: yeah, a, he hit his first three, actually. He, did, loss, yeah, well, he really
1: had a decent decent ball. shot. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, Stewie, but Victor Ossumham managed to get a crushed eye socket against Inter Milan, putting the 22-year-old striker out for at least three months. After he underwent surgery, receiving six plates and 18 screws in his face. I did not see that. And given this is a basketball episode, and we've already talked about New Zealand, do you remember when it happened to Akil Mitchell with the yeah, New Zealand the breakers? Eyeball actually yeah, actually popping
0: out of the socket. I yeah. remember that. That was brutal.
1: Terrible stuff. Now, there was a faux proposal in the background of <laughs> racing TV coverage in Ireland. You've seen this one. Really. I have seen this. So Sam Morgan in the Sun said, "Fortunately, the whole thing is obviously a setup. Although it must be said, the acting is quite convincing." Oh, I knew straight away that oh, it was.
0: I mean, it's obvious it was, it was contrived. Yeah, but like, what's he? Say? Of course, like, why would he say that? But the it was so funny. The though. commentators even turned around and said, "Oh, oh, we've we've got a proposal. Yeah. I wish you all the best." They didn't see the guy wandering off, pretending to yeah. say no. Like, yeah.
1: It was so clearly contrived. Oh, it, I thought it was great. It was funny, and then finally, George Cambosos has upset Tiafoe Lopez in what's been described as one of the greatest australian boxing success stories ever in a major upset he was given just a 13 to 1 chance of knocking off lopez so that was and good said he knocked him out yes so well i was no i don't
0: care jesus waste of my material and then stewie
1: really well and it's going to come up more today in today's episode but what really caught my attention is omicron percy i8 Oh, sorry, the Omicron variant, which means that Perth will not be getting an Ashes test. It's going to do all sorts of havoc in the NBL season, I suspect. Not good times.
0: According to ESPN, Info, the fifth test is still in Perth. So until that changes...
1: (laughs) What would you miss, mate?
0: Well, I didn't actually catch any NFL this week aside from a few little highlights. And I did actually miss the Challenger. The WBBL.
1: I too miss the challenger. Yeah. But uh,
0: look, a really, really great final series. If you're, well, certainly if you're a Perth Scorchers fan anyway. Oh, great for the women's game, the record crowds. And Adelaide had a very good final series as well. So it it has to be said, it's been a great series. We'll talk about that more a little bit later in the show.
1: Record crowds for the Matildas as well. So a great weekend for women's sport.
0: (laughs) I mean, it was great until not a great win. 25 seconds into the game when they'd already
1: conceded. 3 0, I think, (sighs) was it? It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. So it is a massive basketball episode. And we have a great interview with Cody Ellis coming up right now, but we'll get to the cricket at the very end of the show too. So our next guest is a returning champion. And last time we spoke to him in episode 65, he talked about facing off against Draymond Green in the NCAA tournament, being on the wrong end of a Bryce Cotton 45 in a grand final. Sorry about that, mate. Yeah. And, being, and being a third generation WA basketball and sporting royalty. But today... He's here to help us preview the upcoming NBL season and maybe talk a bit of NBA too. A big welcome once again to Cody Ellis.
2: Lads, thank you again for having me.
1: Great to have you, mate. The Great pleasure is all ours, my friend. How are you doing?
2: Doing fantastic. Fantastic in this uh slightly hotter weather, which is nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh
1: summer is here. And summer means right. the NBL. Did you get a chance to watch much of the Blitz, mate? Uh look, over the past couple years, I've kind of
2: watched. The preseason blitz less and less, really because I mean most of the teams don't really play anyone of note. I I, I watched most of the most of the highlights of this year, um, this year's games. I caught a game here or there, but I didn't really take too much from it that I didn't really already know. Yeah,
1: well, we look forward to mining your knowledge for what you do know. I guess we should probably start also with the. Uh... Ah, <sighs> the new COVID strain that's going to wreak havoc. I don't suppose you've heard yeah. anything about that in the schedule dramas. We've obviously, we've already had the schedule change once. We've had 2 preseason games postponed or cancelled. And in fact, one was due to a false positive. The Ashes have been almost certainly canned here in Perth too. So we're a bit worried that the Wildcats might not play many games in Perth this season.
2: Yeah, no, nah, it's looking like, from memory, their first four or five games are at home. And then... Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if, you know, um, they they didn't play at home again, which is, you know, a big, big advantage taken away from the Cats. Yeah, I, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. Like, I haven't really read too much about it, apart from it, you know, being a bit of a mutant strain and obviously with Australia being overall... Compared to the rest of the world, probably better off, but um, certainly over here in Perth, it wouldn't surprise me if that uh, the schedules were completely turned on their head.
0: And I guess that comes back to Mark McGowan <laughs> pretty much being unwilling to bend even slightly for sport. And having said that, can't really blame him. Oh yeah. if you if you bend for right. sport, you've got to bend for everyone, really. So well, that's right. It it does yeah. make sense, but yeah, at the same time, it does mean that there's a, a fairly strong likelihood that the teams just will not travel across, and we could see. An extended NBL Cup in terms of Perth being based out of, out of Melbourne
1: next year. Well, that's been candid this season, but uh, yeah, might we'll just come yeah. up with It will feel like that. It will. Yeah. I don't know
2: it's uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to to see how the first probably month and a half goes.
1: Have you had a chance to digest much of the coverage, mate? It seems like there's been more coverage than usual heading into the season, which is absolutely fantastic. I know that. Uh, News Corp had a lot of newspaper coverage this week. There seem to be more yeah. and more podcasts popping up. Uh, there's there's some great stuff out there.
2: Oh, definitely, definitely. It's um, it, it's been really good. Um, you know, it's you know, basketball's back on the map, man, and um, it's good to see. You know, after it kind of going being dragged a bit through the mud, not so much in recent years, but in the past from the glory days in the nineties, it's uh, it's been a bit of a hard road back to the to I guess what again we can call the glory days now. But all the all the positivity and all the hype around it um it's been awesome and i think that's due to the fact that we're getting so much talent down here now yeah it's it's awesome you know obviously Mello had a big big hand in that and he's gone on to do some some pretty cool things so far um and then giddy last year as well and you know hopefully we keep uh getting someone from the league down here up to the nba each year and keep pumping them through
0: Yeah, we were sort of wondering, I guess, who was going to be this season's Didi Lozada or Jay Sean Taylor, or in this case, uh, you know, Josh Giddy. There are a a few possibilities, and I don't know if you had any thoughts off the top of your head on, I guess, who could potentially be that person taking that next step.
2: Um, it's a tough one this year, man. It's, I guess, with Mello and then with with Giddy, they they kind of had that hype around them already. Really, the only young'un with. That kind of hype right now is probably Travis, you know, from my eyes, and that I could see probably making that leap. Obviously, you got like Justinian Jessup, who's kind of teetering on the on the edge there. You know, if he has a if he has a really good year, or even a good you know couple of months, he he might get a might get a call up. Um, yeah, it's a tough one this year, man. I I'm hoping that Melbourne can get Big Jack White back, and uh, he can start to stamp his authority again because he was. He was awesome to watch. And I think he could be a bit of a under-the-radar NBA prospect. Um, okay. Obviously, with that Achilles injury, that's um, something that's, you know, a, a big question mark over a over player's head, especially being that young and having it. But, man, his, his athleticism and work ethic, I could see – working in the NBA.
1: I'll tell you what, speaking of Melbourne, I saw some footage recently of Ariel Huckporty. And yep.
0: <laughs> you can't say I it can't without, not say it Ariel without, the, the <laughs> <board>. <laughs> Sebastian voice. <laughs>
1: but um he I think it was against Southeast Melbourne in the blitz and he's blocked someone, landed past the baseline, it's then gone down the other end for a fast break. I think it's Goulding's pulled yep. up for a three and Huckporty oh, has outrun everyone. And done the tip dunk, yeah. The athleticism, I was like, oh yeah. wow, maybe I yeah, maybe yeah. I've underestimated Melbourne. Like that looked amazing, and sure he made the right. good point of anyone can look good in a, in a highlight package. Yeah. But I've wow, had, I
0: had six threes in a game once. My highlight package there would like, Steph Curry. I, right, I did want to right. Throw, I want to throw one name out there as well that, that he's yep. kind of getting a little bit Xavier Cooks. Did, can is, you make a case yeah. for him potentially?
2: Yeah, look, Zave is he's good man, and he's He's taller than, you know, what he looks like out on the court. Um, well, what is you know, he's, he 6'10"? He oh, he's pretty tall, yeah. Uh, yeah, he'd be about 6'9", probably just under 6'10", I reckon. Moves okay. um, really well, probably needs to work on his shot a bit. I think that's probably the one thing in his game that he needs to work on. But he's, he's certainly someone, you know, with his abilities, his, his body type and his athleticism that could make a push. Um, yeah, look, I think he needs to get stronger which he's done over the past couple of years. I mean, I've, I've known Zay for a while. And uh, when I first met him, he was skinny, not short, but skinny little kid that, um, you know, just had a heap of talent. Um, and he's, he's obviously worked a lot. I think if he if he wants to make that next leap, then, yeah, gaining a bit of size, uh, bettering his shot. I mean, his, his work ethic's there and his athleticism's there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he, that's a that's actually a really good
0: call. Sydney kind of have that that little, I guess, recent history of being a bit of a feeder for the NBA. I mean, they've had a couple yeah. of guys, and they've notoriously had a lot of guys from the NBA that have come back, and they've, they've done that again with RJ Hunter this year. So yeah, yeah it's there's a it's interesting you said Travers as well. I kind of look at him in a similar mold to Xavier Cooks in terms of the jump yep. shot needs work, maybe needs to bulk up just a little bit, but his feel for the yep. game is is really good. His handles great, athleticism. Off the charts, um, one of the best mullets we've had in, in a long <laughs> uh, time as well. It's
2: a thing of beauty, isn't it?
1: It really is. Have
0: you had a
2: chance uh, to
1: play against him much, mate? Yeah, man, but when he was a few years younger than he is now. Right. So um, Yeah, he's improved yeah, in leaps he, and bounds. Because I remember there was oh, an initial NBA buzz about him a couple of seasons ago. And I thought, oh, yep. I just didn't see it. And then last yep. season, he just took that next leap. And it's like, wow, okay, <laughs> it's there.
2: Yeah, he he really did. He kind of stepped up and stepped into a role that needed filling for the Cats, and uh, he he was amazing, uh, especially for a, what, 19-, 20-year-old kid to do that on – Australia's biggest stage and, you know, for the, the biggest franchise in league history, Um, he, he just seems so unfazed out there, you know? And that's, that's for me, is the biggest thing for him is that he just kind of lets the game come to him. Being that young, you know, you shouldn't be able to be that composed out on a basketball court, you know, surrounded by, you know, the talent that he was. But he was, man. He fitted right in and he... He can certainly make that next leap if he if he keeps working hard. And from all accounts that I've heard, that he's uh, he's a really hard worker and he wants to make that next step. So uh, I'm hoping he can have another breakout year and and take another step forward, and then we can ship him off to the NBA.
1: Sydney as well. So obviously we had a great chat with the NBL Pocket Podcast guys and, and yep. we encourage our listeners to check them out if they haven't already. But we didn't get a chance to really talk about Sydney or Cairns in much detail. Um, so yep. we really should probably give them a bit of a look now. So what do you make of Sydney? A lot of people have them as as title favourites. I think the odds keepers have them as title favourites. I quite like their team. I don't know if they're title favourites. But what do you make of the Kings? Obviously they've got a coach, the son of R.C. Buford, the mastermind yep. in the San Antonio Spurs front office, so they have, yep. they have a quite an interesting and intriguing team, don't they? Jarrell Martin coming back from injury too.
2: Sydney are going to be tough. they with with all the hype around the season. I feel like Sydney is one of those teams that have kind of not been spoken about too much. You're right. I think that last I saw on on all the on all the betting apps, it looked like Sydney were one of the favourites, but um, they kind of just don't really get spoken about much. I think Buford will will do a good job there. He's got a heck of a team to work with, man. Look, um, you know the returning guys, obviously Zave's there and healthy, hopefully. And I've heard that the DJ is is probably closer than originally expected. And um, I, heard,
0: I heard Christmas time, which is exciting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, with you know my guy Wani. In there is his injury replacement. I'm hoping he gets as much tick as possible. Um, but I also would love to see um, DJ back in that lineup because he was unreal in his first few games um, before he got hurt. Um, well, he probably would
1: have taken Rookie of the Year from Josh Giddy if he hadn't got hurt the way he was going. Well,
2: I think I think he would have taken it hands down, to be honest yeah, with you. Um, yeah. The way he started and how consistent he was, you know, Giddy took a, a bit um, to get into it. Um, obviously at the end of the year he was amazing but I think DJ was like right from the jump he was in and ready to go and he was a you know one of their main go-to guys um, for a a team that was fairly stacked obviously a couple key outs with Casper and Newley not being there Uh, Craig Moller too who played a fair fair amount of minutes but uh look Jalen Adams is a beast he's really good he's uh He's going to surprise some people, I think. RJ Hunter, like you said, big fan of Jordan Hunter yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, it's they're tough, man. They they've got a deep roster. They've got you know, obviously, a new coach, which will be interesting to see how long it takes them to to get into the season. But I, I like Sydney. I, I think they are going to be certainly a team to beat.
0: It could well be a case of very similar to last season, where they are hovering around that four, or five spot, maybe, you know, they get a decent run with injuries. They may be able to push a little bit higher. Going back yep. to Vasilievich for a second, I actually had him potentially knocking on the door for Boomer's squad before that injury. Oh, definitely. He was yep. playing yep. such great ball. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I certainly hope totally. that they do push towards having him in the squad for you know, the next lot of whatever the next competition is. He needs to be there. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, you, you're right. They are are a team that even though they are so well thought of in terms of the bookies, they really yeah they haven't been getting a whole lot of love on a lot of the podcasts out there they haven't been coming mm. mean, everyone's talking illawarra everyone's talking yep. southeast melbourne uh everyone's talking perth because yeah they're always there or thereabouts yep. but yeah sydney really yep. haven't had a great sort of run and yeah yeah definitely right jalen adams is going to catch people rj hunter's got range as i mean I've, yep. I've seen him knocking down threes close to the logo before so mm. he's oh yeah. yeah he's definitely not going to mind where the line is in the in the nbl so yeah that could no. be a very interesting time
2: well, and you have Jarrell Martin coming back too. Oh, he's I a think. beast. Well, that's the thing. Towards the end of last year, I thought he picked up really well. He kind of figured out the league and how it's reft and how to play. And I think if he can you know, build on that, then all of a sudden you've got those guys, Adams and Hunter, and uh, when DJ comes back, you've got those guys spotting up on the perimeter. You can't really go down and help on on Martin. It's, they're going to be a tough guard.
0: That's interesting because Sydney have had a lot of guys – Similar to that, I think back to guys like Josh Powell, Brian Bowen, yep. uh, Damian Jones, and I've had these sort of fringe NBA guys or NBA caliber players that have come over. And as, as you mentioned, it's a really good word that you use in terms of adapting and, and sort of struggling to adapt to the referee. And I, yep. I just, I remember distinctly Josh Powell really struggling with the the physicality and trying yeah. to find that balance between being, I mean, he's a big guy, but it was yes, really struggling between what's enough contact that I can get away with and what's obviously a foul. So uh, yeah, you're right. I think Martin made such huge strides in that back end of last season.
1: Yeah, I for think, sure. For sure. I think he's a sneaky MVP candidate. Actually. I, I rate him very that's, highly.
2: That's, that's not surprising at all. I, uh, It wouldn't shock me if he was in the conversation. If he stayed healthy, it wouldn't shock me if he was in the conversation at the end of the season.
1: What do you make of Southeast Melbourne as one of the other teams that are getting a lot of buzz for championship aspirations?
2: They should definitely be in um, championship talks. Fell short last year in what was their second year in the league. And look, they've got a few guys that aren't there this year, but I, I feel like they've picked up some... Some bits and pieces to to fit their system, but if you look at if you look at a guy like Rowdy, sorry Ryan Brockoff, call him <laughs> Rowdy, that's his nickname. Really, this is his first season. If you look at it properly, he's got a full preseason under his belt. He's healthy. He he knows the team now. He's going to be dangerous. I think he's going to be someone to look out for. And then you know you you've got all your all your all your regulars, Creek and. Uh, Glidden and all that sort of stuff that are got to do what what they do, um, and that's going to make them tough. Kiefer Sykes not having him's going to hurt, I think.
0: David Mumford's I, an interesting I, in actually. Fun, it's funny you all, mentioned Sykes. I, I don't know if you've yeah. seen much of much of Munford in in uh, sort of his previous days back in the states, but. He's, he's very much not a pass-first guy, so I don't know how that's going to no. go with with Brokov and Glidden and these other guys. Oh, and Creek, yeah. Mm. There's guys well, that's that want the eight.
2: thing. They're, they've got guys on that team that want shots. I think Glidden's one of those guys that should have more shots but um, is, is an unselfish guy, so he, he'll he take a back seat when I think he should be taking a lot of shots because he's an unreal player. Um, and I think um, even back to his Cairns days, he probably wasn't utilised well enough. But... Munford, I haven't seen a whole lot of. Like I've seen bits and pieces, um, but he he certainly seems more of a score first guy, which they didn't really need. They they needed that uh, floor general um, distribute the ball. They've got guys that can score. They've got guys that want to shoot the ball. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be a tough one. They're, I think they'll be there at the end of the year. Obviously, Simon Mitchell is is a really good coach. He knows what he's talking about. He's got them, or he had them humming at the la- end of last year. He'll, he'll get the best out of the squad. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Munford uh, fits into that.
1: What do you make of Joe Chi? Because I just I feel like the Yanni yeah. Wetzel loss is a big one for them because he was playing really well towards the end of the season. And I think I think he's got a lot of promise. Yeah. I mean Joe Chi has yeah. promise too, but yeah.
2: Yeah, look, I think I think time will tell on that one. Look, you're right. Wetzel was was really good. I think that's a big pickup for uh New Zealand to get him. Chi, yeah, I again I haven't seen enough of his uh of his game tape to, to really make a big call on that. So I think that's gonna be um, a bit like the Martin thing is is how he adjusts to this kind of league because who knows he could be he could be one of those guys that just does all the dirty work you know cleans up the boards and and that's pretty much what they need set good screens.
0: From what I've seen, basically he is quite he, obviously he's incredibly tall. He's got a huge yeah. wingspan, block shots. He, he's able to sort of. I guess if he gets beaten, he has reasonable speed in terms of getting back, but he's certainly not yep. going to be one of the quickest guys. So I, I think you'll see a lot of these stretch four and fives taking him out, which yeah. could yeah, which could make it a little bit tricky. One of the things I like about South East Melbourne, and we spoke about this a little bit on the last episode, was how the, their continuity is a really big thing. They've got eight guys. Their entire bench returned from last season. you got three of the yep. five guys on on the starting five that are returning as well. I think, yeah, the Mumford thing is probably the most important part of this entire yeah. season for the Phoenix. I, I hate to bring it up because I know you're a, a Knicks fan, but I, I saw him drop 46 on the <laughs> Knicks G League team. <laughs> yeah,
2: the, that the, doesn't the, surprise the, me.
0: The guy... <laughs> the, the, the guy can yeah he can seriously score whether he can pass yeah. enough that is that is the big thing
2: yeah well i mean that you know that's all well and well and good it's on the nick, so it doesn't count um <laughs> but as you know as, as someone who's um you know trying to trying to take over that king for psych spot that's not really what you need you know that's that's really good for the resume but yeah, it's an interesting signing. Yeah, I, I think the first few games we'll see it be okay. And then once he kind of wants to score the ball more, then I think the camp might start to get a bit fractured. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he stays the whole season. If he isn't that pass-first kind of a, 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 a guard.
0: Especially the only import they've got right now. Is yeah, that.
1: currently, yeah. So we talked about Joe Chi a bit. Speaking of big players with a lot of intrigue from the continent of Asia,
0: have you had a chance
1: to see much of Kai Soto from Adelaide?
2: Uh, yeah, look, I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces of Kai. I think he will be good. I'm not sure when, but I think he'll be a good player. I know... CJ had him on his radar when he was at Brisbane, but I don't I think it fell through. So that's going to be an interesting one. Look, oh, with that 36ers team, I think he should play a bit. You know, obviously, you've got like DJ there, you've got, got Isaac Humphreys, you've got
0: Cam Beers, well, So they, They've got a lot of guys that's in that front thing. court.
2: Yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's a tough one. They, they, they kind of bolstered their bigs in saying that. You know their the bigs aren't exactly known for staying healthy. Apart from DJ,
1: you know Touchwood. DJ he is like the David Mundy of the NBL. Hey, he just gets better <laughs> yeah. with age. He gets better he with does. age. It's unbelievable how consistent and I'm a big fan of DJ. I'm a big fan of Soto too. Oh, yeah. I, I really think he could be quite a good. I'm really rooting for him. The more I see of him, the more I like. Hey,
2: yeah, and I think CJ will will give him time. I think he'll he'll get time to prove himself, and yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be a legitimate player in his career he, he's going to have a really good career um wherever he ends up so hopefully you know with, with this 36ers squad um obviously hopefully the bigs all stay healthy you know best staying healthy for a full season would, would be good to see and, and same with big isaac because he was he was tough when he played last year but yeah kai's going to be good he's going to be good i think out to the cj was the best out of him Adelaide's Adelaide's an interesting squad. Um, They they
0: really are. And I I think CJ is going to be such a great coach for them. Guys like Mahal King, Sunday Detch as well. Those those guys, I I love the fact that CJ will in all likelihood give them enough rope to actually go out there, try things, make mistakes, learn from them, rather than what happened with Connor Henry where... Uh, and, and I guess for Mojave King as well, with, with Mike Kelly, there was no rope at all. You make a mistake, you're back on the bench, you might not see action for another you know, 20, right. 30 minutes in a game.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, and look, probably the biggest signing of the off season, if
1: you ask me, is the Mitch McCarran pickup. Absolutely. Huge. Um, Absolutely. Agree. Huge. Him and Vic Law, I think, apart from the imports that are a bit unknown yeah. commodities. But yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That, yeah, Vic Law's up there as well. You got Macker and Sunday. As, as your two guards there Ooh, and then you've probably got dusty as your shooter that's that's good. tough it's um, good. I know the
1: more I look at this roster the more I like them actually I am re- quite a fan Ooh, of Dufelmeyer too as a backup
2: and yeah you know he he held his own last year he was really tough you know he's he's going to be really good in spurts I think um coming on given macca and Sunday just a breather here and there
0: yeah I think I think honestly it could literally just come down to health with this Adelaide team if they are if they stay healthy. They've got all the pieces there and the the right sort of players in the right spots to make a run at the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think they have been kind of just thrown to the curb as yeah, Adelaide won't do anything this year. Oh, what will they go five and zero in the in the blitz? Not that that honestly it doesn't count for a whole lot just because there wasn't every team playing every player. But you've still got to go out and win games. And uh, yeah, I th- I think this team will. Will have fun playing under CJ, and like you said, I think he will give them free reign to just to play, to just go out there and hoop. And that's at that level, you know, that's that's some awesome confidence to have when you know your coach is has your back to to go out. You run the show he'll tweak things here and there,
1: but I, I can see CJ has been a, very much a player's coach. And speaking of that 5-0 record, one of those wins was coming back from 21 down against Tasmania in one of the games I yeah. watched, and in the preseason, it's very easy to just put the cue in the rack and go, ah, oh, bugger it, we're down by tons. Yep. They came back and they won. They also had an overtime yep. game against Perth, I think it was. So, yep. yeah,
0: they're a sneaky it, chance. They're creating a culture, and I think that's an incredibly important part of team sport. You get the culture right, the, the performances tend to then follow on from that.
2: Yeah I think that's the thing that Adelaide needs the most right now is to develop its its culture back you know I, I think they kind of lost their way a bit for a few years but I think having CJ at the head there will, will help develop that, co- that culture because he's been there done that on freaking every level you can think of um, and been successful so I think he was the perfect signing as coach
1: there so we'll do our top four predictions in a moment but the other team we didn't really get a chance to look at in great detail in our last mm-hmm. episode was Cairns what do you make of the Taipans for me I think I hate to say I think they're bottom of the ladder
2: you know what I I tend to agree with you man um, I think 40 has got his hands full going up there Ford, he's, he's a great coach he'll have them doing what he wants but I was slightly confused at the start of the uh, you know signing period when they basically signed their whole roster again. there wasn't a whole lot of turnover of players for a team that, wasn't that successful. The ones that um, make goal are the
0: ones uh, that good finish. ones, yeah. Yeah, like... Cam Oliver. Yeah. Well, I mean, Oliver, I don't <laughs> think they <that laughs> had a choice.
1: No, true, true. Like,
0: right. Yeah, it just made no but, sense. I, I'm with you entirely on that. I don't understand how Mojave King, Chris for Dufemoyer, these are the guys you should have been holding on to.
2: Yeah, I I think so. And look, I don't think Mojave uh, King got uh, as much of a run as as people would have liked. You know, I think he he probably needed a bit more freedom just to... Especially when they were losing games, I think they should have just said, "Stuff it. Let's see what he can do. Um, chuck him out there." for Miles good was really good for him. I thought Fabian was really good for him. It was tough losing Cam Oliver, obviously, for them. But I don't know. It was it was a strange one because I, I feel like Majok Deng and Kwot Noi kind of had down years um, right. compared to what they'd what they'd had. Uh, Machado was still Machado, but teams just keyed in on it because you know you, you stop him, you stop the the snakes. I can't see them finishing any higher than second last, to be honest.
0: No, I agree entirely. I, it's one of these ones that I think it's going to be a very similar story to last year in terms of too few guys having to do too much for them. If Tejir, yeah, yeah Tajir McCall, if he comes in and is an MVP candidate, well, maybe we have a slightly different conversation about Cairns. But the thing that I find so interesting about him is the whole Nate Jawai sort of experience. Mm-hmm. If, if they could find a way to keep him on the court for more than 15 minutes a game... Jeez, yep. he could be still devastating even at his at his age. I mean, I don't. What is he now? Thirty.
1: He's getting up there, but yeah, he had a, he had a purple patch last season where he actually looked bloody good. Um, for periods. he was
2: awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's. Was- uh, I I'd watch their games and I'd get mad when he'd get subbed out because I'd be like, he's just he's just gorgeous. Four straight buckets and <laughs> you know got a stop on the other end and, and then they'd they'd have to take him out. I don't know whether that's to do with his fitness or his health or if he had. Uh, time restrictions on him from the physios. I'm not sure what all that was about, but uh, yeah, you're right. It'd be it'd be awesome to see big Nate out there for longer than 15 minutes.
0: I can't think of anyone in the league who is a harder one-on-one cover than Jawa. I mean, you, you, can't <laughs> you're right. you can't move him off the spot. And, and this yep. is the thing. So he shot 54% from the field last season. That's 12th in the league. So he's shooting a really yep. good clip. Venky Joyce averaged more minutes per game than him last season though.
1: God. And yeah, that sums it up. And
0: that's yeah, that,
1: yeah that it just, sums
0: up town season right there. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It does. That, yeah, he he was eighty first in the in the league in minutes played last season. Wow, it's, it's crazy. Wow. So yeah, it it doesn't read well. Their defense doesn't look like it's got any better. They yeah, second last in points allowed and opposition yep. shooting. They allowed the best three point shooting percentage by opposition teams in the entire league. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's hard. Like the roster looks worse than it was last season. And, it does. Yeah,
2: where were they? So Yeah, I think, look, one of the new signings that they did pick up that I think needs to have a breakout year is Keanu Pinder. If he can figure out the refs and stay out of foul trouble, he can be really good. He slowly started to do it towards the end of last year and he had some really big games. But he just, he just does some silly things on defense and gets himself in bad situations where he has to foul. And then because of that, he has to sit. If he can stay out there, I think that'll help them a lot. Kind of take up that that Fabian role because he's tough, man. He's he's really good, but he's just he's just got to be smart and and figure out the league and figure out how to play how he does without fouling.
0: they find it really interesting in the game against Perth. He was on the court for forty four seconds. He took one little yep. floater in the the lane. He airballed that. And next thing you know, Adam Ford's dragging him. I found Mm. that very, very interesting. I I know that the preseason doesn't count for much, but you see things like that. You see Nikita Mikhailovsky being pretty much, you know, put towards the end of the bench by Scott Roth in Tasmania. And you just wonder if there's anything to read into those or if it is, you know, it's just preseason.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Each coach is so different. And, you know, not having played for 40 or Roth, I, I... can't really comment too much on it. you'd you kind of have to put it down to preseason, but also what have they been doing this preseason to only have that short of a leash? It's, it's got to say something.
0: I mean, they're both very emotional guys. I mean, they, they both came very. in behind Trevor Gleason, So they got to see the, you know, the anger of Gleason firsthand. It's maybe rubbed off right. a little bit, but yeah. It's Ford, Ford's
1: like a Gleason 2.0 in some ways. <laughs> He's always been, yeah, he has always been like that. <laughs> so we know those two teams probably won't appear in your top four, but we're going to have to bite the bullet, boys. Let's all name our oh, top goodness. four. So we'll start with you, Cody.
2: Top four. Goodness me. So I'm gonna go with. Do you want them in order, or do you just no, want a no, top four? Any,
0: any order's fine.
2: Okay, good, because I can't pick the order. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I hear um, you, man.
1: I, I think eight <laughs> of the ten teams could very easily make the four. Like very, easily. very, easy. it's super very tough. easy. So I think
2: that you've got Phoenix. You've got. I'm so on the fence about Perth. It's ridiculous, and that's not something I say very often. <laughs> um, oh goodness. Phoenix for sure, Hawks obviously. If they stay healthy, I'm not sold on Melbourne. I think New Zealand will make it. I think they're tough. And then, geez, it's it's such a toss of the coin. I'm gonna go with Sydney.
0: I, I could tell from the intonation. You know, I was like, he's going, he's not going to. <laughs> I can hear it. No,
2: no, I'm, oh. I'm gonna. Do something that probably is going to get me hated and, and not put Perth in.
0: <laughs> I learned my lesson with that last season. I picked Perth out of it and unfortunately yeah. <laughs> look, looked a little bit silly. But well, I think I picked that before we knew what John Mooney was going to be. And all of a sudden he comes in. He's one right. of the best players we've ever seen. But um, yeah. yeah but he I also
1: still admit- has. Yes,
0: exactly. True. Yeah. True. Well,
1: and Mitch Norton's he's out
0: for five weeks.
2: He is. He so is. that's huge. And huge. That's massive. That hurts.
1: Because there's no Wanie either. So wani has gone over to Sydney. So the backup yep. point guard stocks in Perth are hurt as well. Kev playing point guard, I think. Can I give you some Bryce Cotton stats that I read in a Brad Winter article on Fox? So Cotton scored God. 490 more points than any other player since he's been in the league. <laughs> yep. He's ranked yep. third in yep. assists per game with a assist to turnover ratio of about 3 to 1. The Wildcats' offence was 16.6 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court. So that injury really (laughs) did hurt. And it's amazing the Wildcats did as well as they did in the grand final. But I'm really struggling to pick him in too. And I, I normally, I, I said on our last episode that I subscribe to the Andrew Gay's Doctrine that you don't pick against the Wildcats till they miss the playoffs. And they actually, don't make it. Yep. He liked one of our tweets today where I said that. Uh, so we'll see if the Gay's Doctrine sticks.
2: <laughs> but yeah. for me,
1: Illawarra, I think the two New South Welsh, team, I really like this Sydney team. Illawarra, Sydney, New yeah. Zealand for me. Yep. Then it gets really tricky. Then for me- I'm just not as high on Southeast Melbourne as some people. Then for me, it's between Perth and Southeast Melbourne. I think, oh, I think because of the, I'm, I'm gonna have to go against the Gaze doctrine. I think I'm gonna yeah. have to pick Southeast Melbourne because of the Norton. If it weren't yeah. for the Norton injury, maybe, but
2: oh, yeah, different story. Oh, it's yeah. so hard
1: to pick him in.
0: Well, I've I've Probably, gone yeah. I've got Illawarra, Southeast Melbourne, Perth and New Zealand. I'm keeping Perth in because the strength of schedule at the start of the season's pretty weak. We've got you know I say we, we've got Tasmania, we've got you know Adelaide, Brisbane, and uh who's the other team? Cairns. Yeah. So teams that you would yep. I guess expect to be slightly lower down on the ladder. So first eight games are against those teams. I, I feel yep. like there's an opportunity, even with Mitch out for those games, to still potentially go six and two, which yep. Kind of the big thing will just be, yeah, the borders. If Perth don't play another game after those first five. Well, that's right. Then it's incredibly hard to pick him. Yeah. But
1: and no power forward on the roster. I mean Vic Law can play small ball power forward, but he's not Scotty Fisher. You know what no. I mean?
2: No, he's not. You're right. You're right. And Jesse is going to be playing in minutes here and there. Yeah, they, they don't really have that that power forward, do they? Um, uh,
0: I mean, I'll, I'll revisit what I said on the the last episode we recorded. I think Michael Fraser's here just to cover until Todd, until Todd Blatchfield gets well, and then once Blanchfield's yeah. back in, I think he gets the arse, and they go after a third They'd import,
2: bring in an actual power forward import. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair call.
0: So Cody's
1: nice enough to stay on board and talk NBA with us, Shui. I thought we might uh, take the opportunity to have a mailbag question as a bit of a bridge between the NBL and the NBA. The NBL, of course, unprecedented amount of international players, and that's what this question's about. So this one's from Stephen. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. I was wondering the other day whether a team made up of internationals could compete against a team of Americans. The past three MVPs have not been American, two times Giannis and one Jokic, and there's a rising crop of overseas talent. Do you blokes think that a non-US team could hang with Team USA over a seven-game series? Let's say for argument's sake there are no injuries. The USA, of course, has a much deeper pool of talent. But how would you see a series playing out with these teams? Now, he suggested some teams for us, and we might tinker with that a little bit. So in Team USA, he's got Curry, Harden, LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis starting. Then on the bench, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Zion. Now Kyrie Irving's an interesting, we kind of need to work out our rules because obviously Kyrie was no, born in Melbourne.
0: Interna- he's Team International, he was born in Melbourne.
1: How's this? Melbourne have had more number one picks born in their city than the city of Chicago has. How's that? That is you? a wild stat. Yeah. Jeez. Right? Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Obviously, Bogut, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. And ben Simmons. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so yeah. for Team International. Luka Doncic, Andrew Wiggins, Ben Simmons, Giannis, and Jokic. Hang
0: on, hang on, hang on. Where did Wiggins come from?
1: Oh, I've I've subbed him in. Um, he oh,
0: no, he's team North. Well, North. he's, he's, team he's Canadian M-. though. He's, he's Canadian.
1: Okay. Well, again, yeah, we America need to set these. We need yeah. to set these rules. Yeah. So then there's Demontis Sabonis, who had a monster game today. Huge. He did. Vucevic, Porzingis, Gobert. The Bogdanoviches, Dragic, Fournier, and Paddy Mills. Cheers, guys. Interested to know what you think. I just hope I don't make Stu say bloody hell. Keep up the good work, Stephen. What do you reckon, lads?
0: I'm saying bloody hell because it's such a good question. <laughs> it is That's a good question, yeah, yeah. yes. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cody, do you want to go first? That's a tough one, man.
2: I mean, honestly, you you need to take Zion out of that US lineup. Um
0: we're assuming full health for the record. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's that's hard fair. To, it's so hard to assume. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's huge. He's yeah,
0: healthy. yeah.
1: I've oh yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: He's looking like Oliver Miller um, at the moment. Yeah, far out. He's oh, he's gonna be an interesting story. I mean, you look at that US squad over a seven game series. I can't see a team beating them. Full health. You look at the way some of those boys are playing. You look at just that starting five. You look at how they're playing right now. Steph especially. Oh yeah, that other world. You, you got the best players in the world guarding him, and he's making every one of them look silly. I can't see a squad of the world beating a Team USA team fully healthy. I can't see it happening.
0: Can I throw my team world at you and just see whether that maybe changes your thoughts yeah, slightly? go on. i on, sure.
1: We know yeah. you're champing at the bit. And obviously, Embiid was missing from that list. He's a pretty big one.
0: Yeah, so my starting yeah. five, so I've got Kyrie Irving at the point, Luka Doncic, I've got Pascal Siakam, I've got Giannis and Jokic. And then off the yep. bench, you've got Ben Simmons, Dennis Schroeder, Paddy Mills, Evan Fournier, Boyan Bogdanovich, Demantis Sabonis and Joel Embiid.
2: That's a pretty good squad.
0: Can you make a case for them? I don't think I can make a case for them winning the series, but I think they could be competitive.
1: I'm different. I reckon they could win the series. Hey, I really do. I reckon they would have better chemistry. I reckon they'd pass the ball better. I reckon there'd be less hero ball. I reckon they'd band together much better than Team USA. I reckon, okay, everyone has egos, but I just, I don't know. I feel like they'd accept the challenge and I would still tip the Team USA, but I reckon they'd really (laughs) give them a run for their money. I really do. Did you have Kyrie as starting point guard?
0: I had to because he's born in Melbourne. I had to.
1: Yeah, but he's played for
2: USA, mate. He yeah. can't play for anyone.
0: No, I know. I'm I'm going I'm I'm using the, the, the simple logic that I'm looking at where the players were born rather than the yeah. You know. So yeah, if we take that into consideration, we'll keep Kyrie. I mean, even without him That's fair. you put Ben Simmons in, it's still yeah, oh, no, yeah. neither of them are gonna turn up to play anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter.
2: Jeez, yeah, look, I'd agree that in terms of camaraderie and banding together and playing as a team, I think the world team would do that better. I think they'd steal a couple games, but I think at the end of the day, just the sheer talent from the USA squad, yeah, I, I just think they'd get it done. I still think they'd get it done. I mean, that's an unreal squad that you just named. Just, you're right. There, there is so much talent all around the world now. It's crazy. Like It, it is the really matchups. crazy. The
1: matchups it's, are so it's, juicy. Well, the thing, okay, here's yeah. the thing that stands out to me. So, I don't know if you noticed, but Shui couldn't even fit Vucevic in his team. And that's yeah. because... Already go there. The international... Or go there. There you go. Because the internationals would definitely win the big battle. And yep. it's the international shooting I worry about. But Team USA mm. definitely wins the small battle. And they have amazing shooting just with Steph alone, let alone the others. Can I read a stat? I guess we'll use this to transition to talk about the first quarter of the NBA season so far. So, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis was kind of the only big center on well, that list. Listen to these stats, and I will guess I'll go backwards. So, I think I know where you're going with these. Yeah. Oh, mate. So, he is shooting 38.3% from mid range, the worst in yep. the NBA by any player with 100 plus attempts. He's shooting 33.1% on jump shots, the worst in the NBA by any player with over 150 attempts. And then on threes, he's shooting 16.7%, the worst in NBA history by any player with two-plus attempts per game and 20-plus games played.
0: I think he's up to 20% yep. now, but it's, okay. it's It's still ugly really. Yes, that is a couple of days yeah. old, in fairness. that's and, that. and for the record, I actually did, I tinkered with the USA roster a little bit. I put in Bam Adebayo and Karl-Anthony Towns for Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal, who are both playing not the greatest basketball of their career. Right, right. Yeah, uh, that's and I put Chris Paul in for Kyrie Irving as well for the the uh, the point guard. Oh, I love
1: that! I love that yeah. switch. You, you gotta yeah. have
0: you gotta have someone with the smarts to Chris. That's Paul. a good
1: switch. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah.
0: yeah, it's. Yeah. I think you're right, Cody. I think maybe they take a couple of games, possibly get to a game seven. It's just mm-hmm. the matchups everywhere. Like you're looking at Giannis versus KD, Kyrie versus Steph, Jokic versus AD. Like it's just juicy everywhere. You sure, love. he loves this stuff. He eats this for breakfast. I do. So thank you, so for
2: that question. <laughs> yeah, that was that's an amazing question. That's a really good question. I think they need to do that at the All Stars instead of yes. East versus West. They need to do a World versus USA instead of it being the what's well, not the rookie one? Is it the sophomore one?
0: Yeah, the rookies and sophomores. I think they did do that for that a little while. Count. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. they've
1: kicked the international idea around. I think they've come pretty close a few seasons, but, yeah. Now's that's, the time. That's yeah, awesome. I agree. I agree. Got the time. Talent.
0: It's basically USA versus anyone who's not in the US. Yeah. And that's yep. where the yeah, Canadians could perfect. come in. So
2: Be awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: we well, If you have a question for the Sport Blokes, email them, sportblokes at gmail.com, or find them on Twitter at Sport Please also like, rate, and subscribe. Tell your friends.
1: So I guess I talked about Anthony Davis, should we get on to the NBA? The Lakers, they've already trailed by 25 points or more in 6 games this season. All of last season they only did it 6 times. So yep. it's not looking good for them. They're hovering around 500. They
2: are they are they're teetering that 500 mark and it's tough, you know. Westbrook took a while to to figure out I guess his role in the squad last, I think it was 6 or 7 games, though he's been absolutely balling out. You know, Anthony Davis, who's arguably one of the best bigs in the league, not that I really call him a big, he's he's more of a power forward that's tall. He He's, yeah, like you said with your stats, he's playing garbage. You know, he's, he's had a good game here and there. LeBron has been in and out and then suspended a game and then he's getting heated. He's starting to show his age a little bit, I think. What did you make of that
1: incident, the LeBron incident, yeah. the other week, Cody. I've rewatched the footage. We talked which, about it. Which one? <laughs> well, the Isaiah Stewart one. Like I rewatched it sure. after we recorded, and I thought, oh, I might have been a bit light on him. He was a bit more intentional than I first thought.
2: Yeah. Look, when I first watched it, and I watched it a couple times, I thought, look, Stewart has his arm up under LeBron's, pushing him out. LeBron's tried to hit his arm away. That was my initial thought on it, and he's just clipped him in the eye, and. Where he hit him, that little spot splits open so easy. So it doesn't surprise me that was blood. But the more I watch it, the more I think there was a bit of intent in it, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I I think there was a bit more in it than originally thought. I didn't watch the whole game. I only watched the incident. So I reckon there's been bits and pieces throughout the game where Stewart's kind of hit Bron and he's kind of got under his skin a bit. You know, Stewart being that kind of a player, that bruiser, which is good. It's what Detroit needs. And then, yeah, I think LeBron's just kind of taking his opportunity and, yeah, I think there was a bit more malice behind it than what most people are saying.
0: I wanted to, I guess, not so much play devil's advocate, but kind of make a case for the Lakers. And I love the fact that you brought up Westbrook's recent tear, because as an OKC fan, I've kind of gone into bat for Russell over the the last few years and, and... You're you're so right. Like, I think the last four games, he's had three games where he shot more than 50% from the field, which is the same as he had in his first 18. So he he is slowly starting to figure it out. He's taking less threes. He's kind of, yeah, getting into the flow of the offense a little bit. But but here's something I found kind of interesting. If you look at the original big three that LeBron had with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade in Miami, their first season together, they were nine and eight through 17 games. They had a horrible start to the season and then they figured it out and they should have won the championship. That and were, the fact that they lost to Dallas still irks me because it was just, they were so much more talented. But yeah, uh-huh. Anthony Davis, as you said, he's been abysmal outside of five feet. LeBron's yeah. missed half of their games. Taylor and Horton Tucker's yeah. missed 13 games. So yeah, they're still kind of working on the chemistry a little bit. Are they going to go undefeated from here out? No, obviously not. But they've definitely got some things sort of going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. It, it worries me. I mean, that stat about them being down by 25 in six games, that's worrying. Obviously, they're, they're not starting. Yeah, out well, well, the margin
1: for error shrinks more and more, and geez, they're in playing range at the moment. I mean, they won't land yeah. there, surely, but.
2: No, they won't. They won't. They'll figure it out. They're a team full of veterans, man. They're a team full of good basketball heads. I think they'll figure it out. I don't think they'll be as good as the big three of the Miami Days, obviously, because they're all a hell of a lot older than that. But, uh, yeah, look, I think once they start clicking, they'll be a dangerous team. And if they hover near the bottom of that eight, not saying that they'll be in playoff uh, contention, um, you know, the playing game, sorry. But that's going to be a nightmare matchup for whoever
1: picks them up. Here's a question I want to ask you, Cody, as someone from a player's perspective. What do you make yeah. of the John Wall situation? I just yeah. think it's, it's just a shame.
2: It's a really weird one. It's almost similar to the Ben Simmons situation. It's really weird because... I'd originally thought, yeah, he's hurt. He's not playing. And then it's, no, well, he wants to play, but Houston won't let him play. They don't want him on the roster, on the floor, blah, blah, blah. So then he wants traded. And then oh, it's it's a really odd one. If I'm John Wall, I want to play. I want to go out, play really well, get my stocks up. But then obviously it's, it's tough if you know the, the organization won't let him suit up. Um, there's not a whole lot he can do. Yeah. Criminal, I reckon.
1: Let the man play. Free well, John Wall. It. Free John Wall.
2: That's it. And he's started to come out publicly and say that. Like, can I play? Shit, I want to. Like, let me let me get out there. They need someone out there because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, yeah, they're not good. They're awful. I don't see anything bad coming out of him coming out and playing.
1: If they were tanking um, any harder, they'd be a part of the US military budget,
2: I think. Oh, would they ever? Yes, <laughs> it's... Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. but
1: Fun
0: fact for you. Though, uh, it's, they've, it's... they've got a longer winning streak at the moment than Brooklyn. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, um, one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, three, Finally, enough. Really? Yeah, they've won their last three.
1: Well, there you go. All right. Go. Stop the presses. Hmm. Jeez. It's they're just they're doubled actually,
0: their record. They've actually got the second longest winning streak in the, uh, on oh no, third longest, sorry, in the Western Conference.
1: Well, there you go. I saw they Sheesh, won today. I didn't realise they'd strung yeah. three together. Mm. I know they won the other day. There you go. It's
0: good. Okay, so he's catching them in the tank stakes. <laughs>
1: Goodness me. Oh dear. Now we've got to ask you about your Knicks, Cody. I know you've already made a joke about them a little bit in the NBL segment, but uh, I don't know if yeah. you heard, but Kemba Walker's been jettisoned to the bench. Speaking of players being buried on the bench.
2: Oh, don't get me started. The Knicks camp is so strange, man. Like, Kemba hasn't played the greatest. He hasn't played his greatest basketball the past couple of years, really. But yeah, I I don't know. From what I read, it was Tibbs' decision. So uh, I don't know. Look, he's done wonders with the team. So it's hard to fault what he does, whether it's sending a message to the young boys that doesn't matter who you are, or if it's just giving those young boys the opportunity because Kemba's not pulling his weight. But you got a guy like Kemba Walker, New York native, playing in front of his home crowd, getting New York behind him again or helping. It, it's, it's an odd decision. It's a really odd decision. I mean, at this point, you'd try and get something for him then. If, you, if you're just going to have him sit there, you'd try and get something for him, I'm sure.
0: He's on a very friendly contract as well. I've got a couple of yeah. things about Kemba that I, I thought were actually quite interesting. So... Everyone's sort of talking about how he's having a down season. He's actually shooting better clips from the field and from three than he has his entire career Wow! this season. So, there you go. It, the numbers just look bad because he's playing less minutes. That I think that's yeah. what it comes well, down to. Well, maybe
1: it's a bit of eye test stuff it's too. A little bit. But, I've only seen one next game this season myself. But
0: but the other thing that I found really interesting, so with him on the court and also with Julius Randle on the court, there are negative 13 points per 100 possessions. And then they say, but when Kemba's off the court, they're plus 11 points per 100 possessions, which doesn't read well. But Kemba's no. only he's only played nine minutes all season without Randall on the court as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. really, like the two of them pair up and, and not many people are talking about Randall. I mean, he's five points a game lower than what he was last season. The shooting, yep. he's back to that fairly abysmal three-point shooter <laughs> that he was two seasons ago. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. You wonder, I heard, uh, I think Ramon Shelburne was saying, why don't we look at maybe staggering them, have him come in with the bench unit, you know, have him running with guys like Obi Toppin. I don't know if you could run him with Derek Rose, but you know, Emmanuel quickly, some of these other guys that are coming off the bench, try yeah. it. You know, what's the worst that can happen?
2: Yeah. You got enough games to test stuff out. Right. Yeah. yeah it's um, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Look, Randall's got a pass because of what he did last year. Hmm. So he could average three points, a rebound, and four turnovers, and the next faithful would still be behind him for this season. So that's probably part of the reason why he's getting a bit of a pass and Kemba's not. But, um, yeah, I, I think they probably need to test the waters a bit more before just saying, all right, you're out of the rotation.
0: I love what the guys in the mismatch say about a number of things. Is you only really get one season to sneak up on teams.
1: Yeah, oh, big time. And
0: I think that's kind of maybe what happened a bit with Randall last season. We well, guys, look at Atlanta. Yeah. They're the um, hunted now. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Thoughts on Chicago?
0: Well, they had an interesting little week, didn't they? I mean, they got smashed by Indiana. They lost to Houston. So, you don't know, maybe they, they just kind of started showing a little bit of their true colors, but. I mean, I, I still really believe in Chicago. I love the pairing of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. I love what Alex Caruso's done. You know, he's right yep. up towards the league lead in steals and deflections. It's that real energy guy. I love Derek Jones Jr. off the bench as well. I've said that so many times. I mean, are they going to win a championship? Probably not. But <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to think that they could very much push for Eastern Conference finals, probably yep. semifinals this season. I mean, they're still...
1: Yeah, I think semifinals is probably their ceiling. But we were both fairly high on them heading into the season, so we both had them around fifth. As a Spurs fan, yep. I saw a lot of DeRozan last season, and I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a consummate professional. And he just yep. gets better with age too. He's really just got better and better the last three seasons. So... Maybe not a surprise to some people, but I certainly think they'd struggle to make the conference finals. I think that's maybe a bridge too far.
2: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Take this week out of consideration and Demar would have been in my top three MVP candidates.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's been superb. Uh, yeah, absolutely yeah, superb. yeah.
0: So it's hard in a conference where you've got Brooklyn, you've got Milwaukee, you've got a lot of teams that still haven't made their run yet. I mean, Philly will get healthier. Right. Atlanta, I think, will still come good. They'll make a run. I don't think they should. Do, I don't yeah. think they'll finish in 10th. No, so, they should. Yeah. And, and we're starting to see some fun stuff out of Charlotte. I mean, who knows what the Knicks will do? Maybe Alec Burks will become a 25 point a game guy and dominate God. the Knicks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was the Fournier. I'm still not sold on Fournier. Uh, yeah, I don't know about him.
2: No, nah, he did his standard. Come in, have a really good couple games, and then yeah. disappear for a, Earn good. a
1: shitload of money, and then yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, but, yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah. like, it's good to see. There's a lot of a lot of surprising teams. I mean, things like Washington. I mean, they're coming back to the pack a little bit. But Minnesota in the West. I mean, they're now head of the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and the Blazers at the moment.
2: Yeah,
1: there you go, there you go. So they're they're
0: a little purple patch as well.
1: But you know what? About bloody time. Like, the young players, you know, Edwards is in his second season. Anthony Towns has been around for, what, seven or eight seasons now? He's been around for a while now. It's about bloody time. Time. Beverly helps. He's got a bit of mongrel in him, a bit more competitive juice flowing through the veins of that team. So, yeah, it's good to see them performing. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
2: Are Portland going to come good or what?
0: I I can't see it personally.
1: See, I I haven't been high on Portland for several seasons, actually. So it doesn't surprise me a hell of a lot, to be honest. I I thought they'd probably bounce around that 7-8 kind of position. Hmm. But it it wouldn't at all surprise me if they finished 10th either, or even lower, potentially, if it really turned to shit.
0: But they're one game behind fourth place at the moment. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, So the 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 West is, once you get past Utah in third... It's a log jam all the way from fourth down to 11th is a three-game difference.
1: Last. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's tough. It's mm. tough.
0: And then the Spurs are only a game behind that. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> oh, a shout-out to
1: DeJounte Murray. 19 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and two steals per game on nearly 50% shooting. So he's going well.
0: Love so it. Wait it. for a moment to
1: get that in, Well, it's about, you know, <laughs> the celebration for Spurs fans are few and far between. And I know no one's crying about that given the success previously, but it has been a couple of lean bad. years. It has been a couple That's of lean years. So,
2: hey, at
1: least you had the success for a while. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much once again, Cody. You've been absolutely, amazingly generous with your time. We really appreciate it. Had a great chat. And can't wait to release this episode, and we wish you all the best.
0: We'll catch up for a beer soon, mate.
2: Sounds good. Keep up the awesome work, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, mate. We Thanks, appreciate yeah. it.
0: And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, he's a long-time feature on this show. <laughs> Yuri Tolochko, the bodybuilder from Kazakhstan, is up to his old tricks again. Is this his fourth appearance on Bloody Hill? I think it is. <laughs> he's, geez, he's, he's given us he's some us a content Yeah, he has. So, look, we've previously spoken about his first sex doll wife. We've also spoken about the fling that he had with an ashtray (laughs) at a nightclub. But now he's headed off on a lovely honeymoon getaway to Sofia in Bulgaria with his second sex doll wife named Luna.
1: Now, this is after Margot popped, unfortunately, of course. Yeah, it
0: went a little bit too hard. Yeah. Off she went. But I found it really interesting how aptly named this doll is. Luna. Because he's a fucking lunatic. (laughs)
1: I thought you were going to say, does she have a moon face or something? Well,
0: <laughs> I don't know. but I think previously, and while we make a lot of jokes, this, this has been quite a, a funny thing to follow. I tell you what, the face on that set still. Yeah,
1: doll- yeah, that's not funny.
0: The face looks like it belongs to about a 12-year-old. It old. does.
1: It does. It looks very young.
0: It's not great. And this this guy's 36, so yeah. he's not exactly... It's not like he's 15 and can kind yeah, of yeah. even close to get away with it. It does not look great. And there's a few photos I actually saw where the expression on her, even as a doll, says that she does not want to be there.
1: <laughs> She's jealous of the ashtrays, Stewie.
0: Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, dearie, mate. So to Yuri Tolochko and Luna... All I can say is Yash bloody hell. Bloody hell.
1: So unfortunately, we do have to race through this, Stewie, because we had a very heavy basketball episode. And look, basketball is our first love and we are going to always go hard, particularly before the start of the NBL season. But it the basketball doesn't
0: season. seem fair, does it? No.
1: Well, and congratulations to the Perth Scorchers, their first WBBL title ever. It was quite a good match here at Optus, wasn't it?
0: It was, wasn't In the it?
1: scorching heat, it was yeah. appropriately titled. It was about 38 degrees here.
0: And we have to also mention, obviously, congratulations to the Adelaide Strikers for not just a great final series, but a really great season for them as well. Oh,
1: Amanda Jade Wellington is my new favourite leg spinner in Australia. Mm. It, she is great to watch. The way she flights the ball, her variations, and she's... Oh, that spell she had, the best spell in WBBL history, where she picked up a 5 for. I love watching her play. Yeah. So, absolutely. Hats off to the strikers as well. Definitely.
0: Well, that seems like a perfect way to start, really. I mean, so the, the first one, the Eliminator. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight. No, no I know. I know. You
1: just think of Mike Whitney and Challenger ready.
0: El- eliminator eliminator already. ready. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Brisbane Heat, eight for 114, defeated by the Adelaide Strikers, two for 118, with 21 balls to spare. It wasn't even that close. Really. As you mentioned, Amanda Jade Wellens, and she was absolutely the big difference in this game. She bowled four straight overs from the seventh over of the match on. Absolutely ripped the heart out of Brisbane's top order and their middle oh, order. Oh, really. find the
1: footage. It is so good to watch. Some beautiful textbook leg spin bowling.
0: So two wickets in her first over, one in her second, and she very nearly had a second. Two in her third, and then a maiden to finish it off. Four overs, one maiden, five for eight.
1: Oh, incredible. Absolutely incredible.
0: And after all of that, it left the Heat at 7 for 54 off 13 overs. So they're absolutely floundering. And you're looking at it thinking they're going to be struggling to make 80 the way they're going. In terms of the actual viewing experience, it was thankful that Nicola Hancock came in at number 9 and smashed 40 off 26. Otherwise, it would have been even more lackluster. Yeah,
1: the the score they made was quite incredible given the way it started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And look, it was a controlled chase by the strikers. There were a couple of chances early on in terms of balls. Just going over the top of like a mid on's head. But yeah, they just bowled too much back of a length for the quicks and they were just putting them away through mid wicket or they'd over pitch and get smashed through cover. And then for the spinners, a lot of stuff right in the slot that was just getting dispatched straight back over their heads. So Katie Mack, sensational again, one of the players of the tournament, 50 or 42 for her. And very handy. That was that.
1: That was that. Challenger ready.
0: Well, the Melbourne Renegades certainly weren't (laughs) eight for 83 off their 20 overs. Yeah. So yep. at this stage, you're starting to think, oh, God, these finals, they're not yeah, really shaking. going that yeah, well. Yeah. So the strikers managed to chase that down one for 86 with 55 balls to spare. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. Basically smashing.
1: half an innings. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And the Renegades looked brilliant all season. They had the player of the tournament in Haman Preek She was woeful in the final, seven off 15, bowled one over for seven runs just didn't really have that same impact. I mean... It's
1: the wrong time to pick a bad game.
0: It really was. It really was. And the whole theme for this game was really just set up by the absolute first ball of the match.
1: Oh, Megan should take a bow. That was absolutely phenomenal. There's been so many good deliveries since WBBL. That was spectacular, as good as any.
0: I've seen her move the ball a bit, but that ball has come back probably three or four times. Beautiful, stumps,
1: absolutely beautiful,
0: straight through Castle dirt. So yeah, Josephine Dooley, first ball of the match. It was just wicket after wicket after wicket from there on. Darcy Brown and Sarah Coit they applied so much pressure, and Wellington economical again, and basically it just led to poor shots at scoreboard pressure. You start Regular seeing, wickets. Yeah, you start yeah. seeing, oh, we've got our run rate sitting at three or four and over. We need to be up around six or seven. And yeah, what happens? Terrible shot after terrible shot. There was even a diamond duck. Courtney Webb, unfortunately, uh. Uh, copped one of those at the non-strikers end where it's just flicked off the hand and knocked the bales off. And, yeah, just like the Eliminator, had it not been for a late flurry of sorts, Melbourne probably wouldn't have got close to 83. Yeah. It was looking like they were going to struggle to make 65.
1: Thankfully, the final was a bit better, wasn't it?
0: It it was, yeah. So the Perth scorchers 5 for 146, defeat the Adelaide Strikers 6 for 134. Look, you can't blame the Strikers for going back to the well and bowling first. I actually said last week when we recorded that I think the right thing to do for Perth is force them to bat first, try and take early wickets, put the pressure on, and then see what you can do.
1: And at risk of wheeling out the adage that I often do, runs on the board in a final, pretty important.
0: Well, yeah, you could argue that 146 in a final is almost the equivalent of 165, 170. It's
1: a decent score to defend.
0: But the thing is, as I said, you really need early wickets. And unfortunately, okay, the first wicket fell with, I think it was 7.5 overs down, but in a T20, that's still fairly late in the innings for the first one. And even though there were still kind of regular wickets from there, it just seemed like everyone who came in played these little cameos. Chloe Paparo came in with a 14 off 10. There was a 14 off five from Alana King towards the end. Marazan Cap, who it has to be mentioned, was bedridden for three days leading up to this final. They did not even think that she would play. Mm. And she dragged herself out and put on this really, really great back-end cameo. She bowled out of her skin. You kind of feel for her feeling like shit and then has to bowl to her wife.
1: Yes, what a story, hey. So I actually was driving to the pub in the pre-match and I heard them talking about it on ABC and apparently she dismissed her twice this season already. So Mm. yeah, fantastic story though. So traditionally they've been a package deal but they came out and said, no, no, we're not a package deal. We don't mind playing each other. We actually kind of like playing each other.
0: So for people that maybe haven't heard, so Dana Van Nykirk, and I apologize, I've been calling her Dane for the entire tournament so far, but it is Dana Van Nykirk. So she's come in at the top with Katie Mack. And one of the things that we talked about when we were recording on this last week was talking about the intent at the top of the innings and then... When you're playing against this team that the, the Scorchers have been, you have to have intent at the top of the order. And then Nykirk and Mac, both with strike rates over 110 for the entire tournament, were both out for six off 13. And it led to the lowest power play score that the Strikers have had in the entire tournament.
1: Oh, that sounds familiar. Lost power play score in a final, T20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Two, similar fate, of course, too, to that New Zealand.
0: Very similar. Yeah. yeah so two yeah. for 16 off their six overs, which is, I mean, it's abysmal in any It way. is. It in is. Very hard
1: ones. to win from there. Very hard.
0: So, yeah, it was an amazing all round performance. The the bowlers, as I said, Marizanne Cap, her second over, well, her first over went for two, and her second over was a maiden. So, obviously, a really, really great start. It even allowed for a couple of those big overs. I think Sophie Devine went for 11 off her first over, and there was a 17 in there but the run rate never really dropped below a point where you felt comfortable. And, and as a Scorchers fan, I never worried, and I always worry. In there was
1: that rates. moment, that weird run out where, um, oh, now who was it, got in front of the ball? She should have got behind the stumps. and yes. I can't remember who it was. but
0: yeah, I think that might have been Lisa Griffith. Okay. She uh, put the hand up in front of the ball to stop it from ricocheting. and It would have hit the stumps. would have been a run out. Yeah. But no, look, a superb performance and a really, really great match worthy of a final even though it never really felt like Adelaide were going to get on top. It just, yeah, it it was enjoyable enough. There was enough action, enough boundaries. I thought it was was a good final. A lot of big hitting it. And sometimes these finals can be pretty anticlimactic. So yeah, great effort by the WBBL. It just seems, just like the AFLW, just like so many other things out there, the quality of this game. Exponential every single season we're yep. seeing bigger hits we're seeing higher scores we're seeing reverse
1: sweeps some yeah. of the square cuts that divine was hitting my god it's, it's beautiful great.
0: and speaking of divine the first captain from overseas to actually hoist the the trophy as a captain there so there you go yes it's yeah we're, we're starting to see obviously just this amazing influx of overseas players really becoming incredibly important and Yeah, I just think the the game is in a great spot.
1: Oh, it certainly is. I'll give you a quick stat on her opening partner, Beth Mooney. So versus the Strikers, she has 764 runs at an average of 95.5 with a strike rate of 135. To put it in perspective, no other player has scored more than 600 versus a single WBBL team. So that's 164 runs more than any other player. So
0: pretty handy player. Very, (laughs) very
1: handy. Now, just quickly, as we suspected... Pat Cummins has been named captain of the Australian test team. As I mentioned at the top, unfortunately, it looks like Perth might get an Ashes match, which is a bit of a disappointment. And then finally, Alex Carey coming in with the gloves, as we also kind of speculated. Not all that surprising, really.
0: Just quickly on the Perth one. Once it gets stripped from us, where do you reckon it should go?
1: Uh, Good question. I'm I'm in two minds. Part of me would love to see Tassie get it.
0: I'd love to see it at Belrose. But
1: the other part of me kind of agrees with Warnie. Look, Melbourne has gone through a hell of a lot in the last 18 months. It would be nice if they got two. His idea of a day-nighter, I'm not overly opposed to. I think the series will be done by the fifth test anyway. I think Australia would have already won by then. So I maybe argue, a bit overconfident. I don't know. It, but
0: uh, I would argue that Hobart's gone through hell for a lot longer than Melbourne has. So well, I'd
1: yeah, go... yeah, yeah. No, I'd be I'd have no problem with it being at Belrose. I Reeve think Belrose. That's
0: that's yeah. where I'd like to see it. Yeah. Oh, look, if it's a day-nighter at the MCG, I'm okay with that.
1: And finally, I guess we made our jokes about Tim Payne, but he has had to step away for mental health issues. I think he's not even going to be playing in the Shield for Tassie for a while. So our thoughts are with him.
0: And look, good to see the Barmy Army. Get- <laughs> I was just about to getting- say that. Yeah, getting onto, getting onto Twitter and wishing him well because. As much as obviously the ashes means everything, you still don't want to see a player's mental health.
1: That's right. right. And we, you know, we'll joke and we'll jest, but once it gets to a certain level, we'll peg it back yeah. a little bit.
0: And the same way as you see Stokes he get hit on the arm today, as an Aussie, you think, oh, oh, oh it'd be good if he didn't play. But then you think, nah, no, it's actually, you don't wish injury. It's, it's actually better if he does yeah, play. It's you can don't can wish injury at play. It'd be it a much anymore. better spectacle.
1: Oh, all right, sure you know what that music means. What are you amp for?
0: Well, obviously really, really amp for the run up to the Ashes. Oh, it's close now. It really is. I'm very, very glad that the selectors have finally put us out of our misery in terms of who will be behind the stumps in Brisbane. <laughs> In the NBA, absolutely impossible to go past tomorrow at time of recording. The clash between Phoenix and the Golden State Warriors. Phoenix riding a 16-game winning streak. The Warriors, the best record in the league. Winners of their last eight. Should be a ripper. How about yourself, mate?
1: Oh, mate, NBL. Dumbleheader on Friday, kicking off with the Jack Jumpers, which I think was a really nice move by the league. I'm going to try and watch every game if I can. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Blokes.